Grandkids, it's good to have you, Dale. Uh, it's good to see everybody. Happy Sunday to you. Um, th- this is uh, this is the beginning of uh, you know if you grew up in church, this is the beginning of Holy Week, and um, and today we we celebrate what we call Palm Sunday, and uh, we uh, we have a four year old in the house, so you're trying to explain all of these particular things. And, uh, you know, she's, she's getting it. She's picking up on it. But um, she got up today and somehow, first thing she wanted to know was, is there school? And uh, the answer was no. And she just jumped up and down, elated. And she said, well, what is it? She always wants to know, what is it today? And we said, today's church. And today is the Easter egg hunt at church, and you get to bring your basket, and then we just went up to octave 12, you know, it just got really exciting, and somehow in all of the excitement, she thought today was Easter, and uh, I was just sort of rolling with it because I'm not that specific, but mom decided to intervene and explain the difference between Easter and Palm Sunday, and uh, she was not happy that it was not Easter. Palm Sunday to a four-year-old is not that exciting yet. Is anybody with me so far? So we had to make it exciting. And I said, well, it's like Easter week. I just was trying to, you know, I didn't have a Bible verse, but that's what I was thinking. It's Easter week, and we're going to celebrate the whole week. And uh, so then we got into, you know, the palms and and the whole thing. And so today, of course, I want to talk to you about Palm Sunday what it means. Um, But of course, it's much deeper for us than uh, a helicopter egg drop, although that's going to be fun. But it's the beginning, and it's it's been honored and celebrated by Christians for centuries uh, of the week that leads to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, we call it Palm Sunday, but when it originally happened, it was not called Palm Sunday. In other words, Jesus didn't wake up, look at a calendar, and go, oh, Palm Sunday, time to find a donkey. (laughs) But something did happen that prompted him, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. And I want to read a scripture. It's from John's Gospel, so uh, John chapter... 12, and uh, you'll see that there was something going on in the city of Jerusalem at that time. Uh, John chapter 12. Uh, Let me read uh, verse 12 for you. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast. So, a couple of things right away. there was, a, there was a great crowd. There was a feast. This was a special occasion of some sort. They weren't there for Palm Sunday, but they were there for something. The feast, they called it. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and they took palm branches. That's where, obviously, the name Palm Sunday came from. And uh, you won't find this really in the other Gospels. You'll just find it in John's Gospel. But they took palm branches, which, which were signs of, like, victory. They used these to make, um, uh, you know, head, head garments to show that this is like, like a wreath, or, or not a wreath, but, uh, oh, Lord, uh, a visor. 
Oh, uh, a crown of sorts, like a champion's crown. Thank you, <laughs> advisor. I like it. That's good. That's what, that's what we would do. All right. So, and this was, a, it was very symbolic. Okay. And so they were people shouting. But let me back up and just show you something here. Right before this, it says in John 11, it says, it was almost time, 55, for the Jewish Passover. Everyone say, it was almost time for the Jewish what? Passover. So this is the feast. This was the thing that everybody was doing at that time. I think uh, today, currently, Wednesday, if you're Jewish, is Passover, if I'm correct, all right? A few years back, in the early days of Orchard Grove, I was invited uh, by a family to attend uh, their, their Passover meal at their home. It was an amazing experience. And if you've never had one, um, you know, cozy up to one of your friends that's Jewish and see if you can get yourself invited. It is an amazing, honestly, an amazing experience. You should do that. So um, I timed this, this particular message around our Exodus series very specifically because we're going to talk about the original Passover story. What was everyone doing for Passover? So to get there, we're going to turn back to Exodus. I'm going to read and we're going to continue our journey through Exodus. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and uh, we timed it so that we are going to be facing the Red Sea and uh, we're going to see how God makes a way when there seems to be no way for Easter Sunday. All right? But we're at the last plague. So let me just read a little bit. And if you don't mind, or probably if you do, I want to go into a little bit of detail, maybe more than I normally would. Who here has ever seen a movie more than once? And boy, the second or third time you picked up a lot more stuff. Anybody ever done this before? Okay. So... Um, who here has been to Palm Sunday Church before? All right. So you're like, I got it, Chris. I got it. They wave the branches. All right. So what I'm going to do is play the movie again and see if you don't pick up something that maybe you didn't pick up before. And then when we're done, I think there'll be something for all of us to, as they say, take home. Fair enough? All right. Here we go. Um, there have been these plagues. And uh, Moses and Pharaoh, they have their, their confrontation with each other. And it started with the Nile turning to blood, and then there were frogs, and then there were, there were uh, gnats, and then flies. And it just keeps escalating and escalating. And Moses keeps going back to Pharaoh and saying, let my people go. And Pharaoh, when he gets the plague and he gets the pressure on him, he finally says, okay, 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 you can go. And then at the last minute, he does what? He hardens his... I thought I was really doing a good job with this series, and I had everybody with me, but uh, I don't. All right, so Pharaoh hardened his corazón. Okay, there you go. It's, yeah, right? It was hard. Did I do okay? Uh, all right, there we go. Something for everybody this morning. This is, uh, it's, it's hard. And they go back and forth and back and forth. And they get more intense and we're going we're gonna to land on the very last plague, the most intense of all the plagues. There are ten, but number nine's deep. It's the plague of darkness. And uh, something happens here, and this is, what it, this is what the scripture says. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. 
And Pharaoh said to Moses, get out of my sight. Don't appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. After this last plague, the darkness, it says, was so dark that it could be felt. Mm. Darkness that can be felt. That's dark. Anybody ever been in a dark place in your life? Sometimes you can feel it. By the way, this, the, the plagues are the, are the actual undoing of creation. It's, it's literally tearing creation apart. And when you get to the darkness, what's that? That's back to the very, what? Beginning. There was darkness over the surface of the deep. It's God reversing everything out. Pharaoh is at the very, very end. And he says, he says to Moses, though, I don't ever want to see your face again. What's wrong with Pharaoh? I mean, when's that guy going to give in? Now, one way to read the story is to read it and think, man, Pharaoh is such a bad guy. And that's how a lot of us like to read our stories. We like to see the bad guy as what? Way over? But just for a minute, let's just pretend you were Pharaoh. Because I think in these stories, there's always something for us. And by the way, um, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on that day, and the Gospel of Luke tells us that he's crying. He's weeping. Why? Well, because the people in his day, though they were waving palm branches and though they were putting them down and, and, and singing praises, Jesus knew that they didn't get it. They didn't get it. They were shouting praise, they were doing it, but they didn't get it. I think also a lot of times we read the stories and we don't get them. And the reason they didn't get it was because they thought their, their story was the Romans are oppressing us and this is our day of freedom and Jesus is going to come and get the Romans off our back. And Jesus is like, I don't think the Romans are your biggest problem. That's a big statement. Everybody look. I don't think the Romans are your biggest problem. Everybody here, if I tapped you on the shoulder on the way out, if we have pancakes together and we, we share syrups, we start talking about life and you'll start telling me what your biggest problem is and it won't be you. It won't be you. Your biggest problem will be over there somewhere. Somebody else. Jesus rides into Jerusalem and they're singing the praises, but he goes, I don't think you really know this story. What's the story of Pharaoh? Why is it taking him so long to give in? This is what I've been proposing for this series, is that I don't think Pharaoh is out here. I think Pharaoh is in where? Anybody stubborn? You know, we have these sayings, and we always talk about, oh, yeah, well, my, my husband's stubborn. You can always find stubbornness in other people. Is this true? It's hard to find it in yourself. But we're stubborn. And you know what's funny is we are so stubborn when we're screwed up we, we, and we're still stubborn. Anybody ever try to help somebody they're really screwing their life up? No, honestly. Like this guy is screwing his life up. And I'm trying to help him. And it's amazing how stuck and stubborn people can be. Pharaoh is screwing everything up. He's losing everything. And his own officials start to, hey, Pharaoh, you know, uh, yeah, maybe Moses is onto something. 
There's two voices in your head. There's Moses trying to take you to a better place, and there's Pharaoh trying to keep you stuck and stubborn. Stuck and stubborn, right? Just, and so Moses is like, no, 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 we, we, we need to go this direction. You know what they say the first step uh, in AA is you got to recognize that you're powerless. You got you to let go, man. It's a, big, it's a big step. It's the step that lets all the other steps happen. And, and Pharaoh just couldn't let go. Pretend you're Pharaoh for a minute. I mean, you know, it's easy to judge him and all that, but just pretend you grew up and, hey, they gave you a whole kingdom. I mean, somebody had to be born Pharaoh. Not your fault. You're born and all these people serve you and they do things and you just move people around like a chessboard. And all of a sudden, this young uh, guy comes up to you, a shepherd, kind of scraggly, and says, hey, you know, I had this conversation with a god, and he had a burning bush, and it's a long story. But anyway, I'm taking half your kingdom. We're leaving. All of your labor force. He says, I don't think so. Anybody ever try to take something from you? No, just honestly, has anyone ever tried to take something from you? What do you do? Well, sure. The first thing you do is like, I don't, I don't think so. You're not taking anything from me. So Pharaoh's first reaction is, hold on. No, 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 no. You're not taking anything from me. You know what it's like to change your life? You know the hardest thing to do in life is to change. This is, a, this is a story about changing. And none of us like to change. We like to change other people. That's my specialty. Huh? Anybody like to change your spouse? Anybody? I know they're close. Just give me a little, a little side one. Like they're, they're close, Chris. Anybody like to change your spouse? I got a few things I'd like to tweak. We like to change other people. We don't like to change ourselves. So we hold on. And Pharaoh's holding on. And it's, it's total darkness. And so <laughs> Moses says this on his way out. This is after the ninth plague. And Pharaoh says, I don't want to see you again. Moses says, uh, you're not going to. And he turns to walk away. Pharaoh's defiant. Anybody here defiant in your stupidity? Hmm? But I mean, you're holding on. At least you're holding on. At some point, you kind of know you're wrong. Anybody ever been in an argument, like, let's say your spouse or significant, and, you, and at some point, you know you're wrong, and it's like, oh, shoot, how am I going to admit this? Huh? Is it? Oh. Some of you have never admitted you're wrong in your life. We have a special section for you over here. I'd like to see you. Because you, you need a lot more than I can give. <laughs> Moses said, I'm never going to appear before you again. He's walking away, and God speaks to Moses. See, Moses doesn't know all the He doesn't know there's ten plagues. God says to Moses, I got one more. I got one more play, Exodus 11, and after that, he will let you go. And when he does, he's going to drive you out completely. I have one more plague. And he says, tell the people, the men and the women, to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. The Lord had made the Egyptians, and Moses himself was highly regarded by Egypt, by the, in Egypt by then. Even Pharaoh's officials. He's walking away, and God says to him, about midnight, I'm going to go throughout the land of Egypt. 
And every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the slave girl who, is at her, who has her hand at the mill, there will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or will ever be again. God says, I'm gonna bring a, I am going to bring a plague. It's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. I want to talk for a minute. You can change your life the easy way or you can change your life the hard way. I think God in his grace, he gives us so many opportunities to change. And it gets more and more and more painful. And I think we could all say without any hesitation that there would be nothing more painful than this. But sometimes in our broken ways, we lose our income, we lose our revenue stream, we lose this, we lose our friends. But then, (laughs) then you lose your family. Pharaoh's going to lose his son. There's a proverb, I think it's Proverbs 20, verse 30, and in the Good News translation it says this, sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Sometimes the only thing we'll listen to is pain. You know, your buddy comes over and says, hey, I noticed, like, and I don't want to say anything, you know, I know, like, we, we drink a couple beers now and then, but I noticed you're putting it in your cereal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what do you think uh, we back her down? And you know, when you're in the middle, you don't see it. Like, oh, come on. Man. I hate 2%. <laughs> you, you talk, right? No, but you don't, when you're, you're going through it, you have all these reasons, these fences, people try to tell you, and friends come to you and all this. I'm trying, just trying to help. No, 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 no. What does it take to make us change? Oftentimes it takes pain. And there is nothing more painful than the final plague. There will be loud wailing. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark. Then you will know it's the Lord. And then it says, after that, Moses left hot with anger. It's the only time it says that. He turns around, he relays this to Pharaoh. He goes, you're so stubborn, you're going to lose your firstborn son. Say a couple things. Let's not let stubbornness keep us from change. <laughs> Coincidentally, I was just brushing up a little extra reading before I came in today. And I'm reading one of my favorite Bible writers, I'll call him. And he, and he made this trip to, to Egypt. And he went to see like how... Egyptian culture was back in biblical times. He was just trying to connect some things to the, to the story, to the text. And he said, I'm in, this, I'm in this Egyptian museum, and I noticed like all the pharaohs look exactly alike. Like they all looked alike. Like, well, wouldn't you make the one pharaoh like look like this? And you know, they all looked alike. And he said, he learned something about Egyptian culture. They hated change. So they wanted every pharaoh to look exactly alike. I don't want change. You know, our biggest problem is we don't want change. So freeze. And change is the only way that you and I actually grow. The reality is, 
Even if you've already changed a lot, there still is change that God wants to bring in your life. God still has a better version of you to emerge. This is so important. You know, you're not there yet. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians, he says, I'm not, I haven't attained it yet. But putting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, the best version of you is still coming out. You know, and you either, you're going to resist it, you're going to dig in your heels like Pharaoh, or you're going to get to a point in your life where you're going to embrace it. And then something interesting happens here. God tells Moses to prepare for this plague. And, it, and this is what he says to him. He says, now Moses, you guys need to, you guys need to prepare because I'm going to make a distinction. Tell the whole community on the 10th day of this month. Now, this is something interesting. Go home and read this. Exodus 12. The Lord said to Moses, this month is the first month of the first year. What's that saying? This is your new beginning. This is day one. Anybody ever been to an AA meeting? It'll talk about how many days it's been. This is day one. This is day one. Here we go. This is day one to the new you. Here we go. I'm going to set you free. And he says, on the 10th day of this month, each one is to take a lamb for his family. One lamb for every household. So on the 10th day of the month, you go and you find a lamb. And if any household's too small, you share one with a neighbor. And make sure this lamb doesn't have any defects. Take care of this lamb until the 14th day of the month. And then, at twilight, they slaughter this lamb. Take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the top and the door frames of your house. Then they eat the lamb. Don't leave any of it till morning. And, and, and tuck, tuck your cloak in. I mean, get, get ready. Eat with your sandals on. And that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn. You're going to go to every house. Someone's going to die. Some firstborn. And the blood will be a sign for you. And when I see the blood, I will pass what? I'm going to pass over that house. I'm going to pass that house. The blood's going to pass over it. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem for the what feast? The Passover. That's why he's there. Because they celebrated this for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And he's still celebrating it. And he's coming in there to celebrate it. And he's crying. Because he's glad they're celebrating it, but he realizes they've missed it. And there's crowds of people. Historians say there were hundreds of thousands of people in this tiny space, all there. The Passover is a few days away when the lambs are going to be sacrificed, but everybody had to do something on that day. You had to get there early. Why did you get there early? We just read it. Because you had to what? Select your lamb. 
A lamb that didn't have blemishes, without defects. What was Palm Sunday? Palm Sunday was Lamb Selection Day. It was four days before the Passover. Everybody was in town looking around for their lamb. They literally had a gate at the side of Jerusalem. They called it the Sheep Gate. And the sheep were raised in Bethlehem. Hmm. And they came through the Sheep Gate. And they were inspected. It's like, we got to find our lamb. we got to find our lamb, honey. All of a sudden, over their shoulder, they hear all this commotion. And the Lamb of God's riding down the Mount of Olives. And he says, here I am. Today, it's time to pick your lamb. Hmm? What does Jesus do as the lamb? Does he kick Pharaoh in the teeth? Does he go get the, the Romans? Does he do anything that anyone expects him to do? No. He goes innocently to the slaughter, quietly. This week, you know, do yourself a favor this week. I mean, if you can handle it, if you can stomach it, watch the passion of the Christ again. You know, some way to put yourself there and, <laughs> and see how quiet the lamb was going to the slaughter to take away, to take away the sins of the world. And Jesus has this sense where he knows how this is going to end. He knows where it's going to go. By the way, in this passage, it's, it's interesting because there's so much detail about what to do and how to celebrate the Passover. And, and there's a little phrase in there. It says, and when your children ask you about this, it's as if in this section he's, he's forecasting for the generations that are going to come that won't have experienced this. And they're going to say, why are we doing this? And then you can answer them. They're going to take bitter herbs. They're going to eat bitter herbs. Why? Because it was bitter being a slave for all those years. I want to, I want to say a couple of things. Um, we need to get back to church. Say, well, duh, you're a pastor. It's like a car dealer saying you need to get a car. Fair enough. Fair enough. Throw the accusation my way. Or try it your way. Keep sweeping out the tradition. Keep sweeping God out. But, but see where it takes you. you say, but, but, but Chris, like, you know, come on. It's like old-fashioned and kids don't understand. No, no, no. This, is, this is what happened. We went through a generation or two, and they didn't know how to answer the questions for the kids. But the kids do have questions. They're supposed to have questions. Read it. It's in Exodus 13. It says, but when the, when the children ask you, what does this mean? Then you say, well, this was what God was doing then. How I many know we need some tradition? We need some tradition. We, 
I mean, yeah, yeah, we got a helicopter. I mean, they didn't have that back then. Yeah, we do extra things for the kids, no doubt, no doubt. But there's a piece of me, and I've always been a fan of this because I, I worked with students for a long time, and so I've always been a fan of making it special for kids and camps and all that. But listen, part of it is they just need to sit there and just take it in, and then you just got to talk about it at home. There's, there isn't any way. We just sat there this morning. We tried to explain what is palms. and oh, You just tried to explain it to them. But what's the other option? You're just throwing it all out? Because it's a little confusing? I mean, did anybody understand Lord of the Rings? Dear God. I don't know what's going on there. And they're like, we well, got to watch it 70 times. I'm like, oh, then I'll understand. Okay, fine. You know, I only made it to four times, and I don't know, I still don't know. You're not going to understand everything in here. I mean, if you watch the movie enough times, you'll read in like, you'll read in like Joshua chapter 4, verse 19, that actually uh, that was the day, Lamb Selection Day, the 10th day of the first month, was when they went into the promised land. There's a little detail you didn't know, Joshua 4, 19. You just got to keep watching the movie. Or not, or it's just old and boring. But what are, what are we doing for the next generation? The other day we got Charlie, we're just trying to, you know, trying to, trying to be a good dad as well as a pastor, you know, and uh, just, Charlie, we're going to pray for dinner. And she goes, no. <laughs> no. I go, no, come on, sweetie, because she's actually like a really compliant kid. I mean, honestly, most of the time she's just, sure, whatever. She just goes, no. Hmm, what are we going to do about this? <laughs> and I said, well, let's fold your hands, and uh, Dad will go first. She goes. So, <clears throat> they get through my options, you know, options. Time out. She didn't have one in a while. Now, fortunately, I will say fortunately for us, she was an unbelievably sensitive kid, right? Like, you know, they say, what is it, one minute for each year they're old or something? I don't know. It's in the Bible, I guess. But, you know, every, so I'm thinking four minutes, I look, and it said 750 on the clock, so I'm like, it's a 754. Anyway, by, by 751, she's just a mess. You know, so sensitive. So I gave her two minutes. I said, okay, come back. What do you want to say? I'm sorry, Daddy. She's a piece of cake. I mean, you know what I mean? How many know, like, that wouldn't happen with my son. Fair enough. Get her up there. She says her prayer. Not defiant, just so sweet. Thank God for mom, dad, milk, and mermaids in that order. <laughs> but, I mean, you can do what you want. Chris, but there's things I don't understand, and they're fair enough. I mean, I'm in the, you know, four years of Bible school. You know, I'm in mid-50s now, and I, I still a lot of stuff I don't understand. Doesn't, doesn't keep us from putting the foundation in that they're going to need. If you haven't noticed, there's some problems in our world. And they kind of correlate. Like, I'm no rocket scientist, but we're taking God and tradition and faith and church and we're just chucking it overboard and the world's falling apart. Hmm. 
yeah, but, you know, church is boring. Get over it. <laughs> Honest to God, get over it. Just get over it. Put a rock in your, put a rock in your life that something's not going to move. You know what I mean? Like, it's there. I'm tired. I'm tired. Get out of bed. I don't care how tired. Get out of bed. We're going to church. You know? Well, I'm tired. Well, I, I, fair enough. When you get home, we'll take a nap. Or watch me, I sleep right through Chris's sermon. I mean, either way, just, we're, but we're going to be there. Right? God bless Grandpa Kramer every Sunday. You know what I mean? But he never missed. Put a rock in your life, man. Something that doesn't move. Oh, but the Masters is golf tournaments next weekend. It's called the DVR. And I wish to God you didn't have one. I wish to God you made a sacrifice. I mean, they give the lamb, they give the spotless lamb. You don't go there, well, that one's about to keel over. You know, let's give that to God. I mean, that's what a lot of us are doing, though. Don't, I mean, don't think the imagery meant nothing. Like someone comes to borrow your car, and they don't have any wheels, and you, you, know, you, got, you got a car, and it's, it's, it's on its last leg, and it, you know, the, the muffler's falling off, and you know, it's got rusted out, and here you go. You take the one you just got polished up. It's all beautiful. You say, here. Don't, don't think the symbolism doesn't matter. What they're, they're giving to God the best. The best. Jesus rides into Jerusalem on Lamb Selection Day. Four days before the Passover. And if anyone would happen to notice, there's a spotless lamb. And there is a new way to bring change. Not by sticking it to the man. Not by raising your voice. By the power of the cross. An example that quietly screams at you. What does the cross do? At one breath, the cross is this. And in the other breath, it's screaming at you. That's how you change the world. You can't watch a man bleed like that and not be moved in here. What's, what's going to fix the world? Everybody screaming at each other? We're trying to change this. That's all we're trying to change. And everybody's doing this. And Jesus was doing this. That would change the world. If you're open to it. All right, let's stand. We'll have a closing prayer today. God said, this, this, uh, this Passover is to be celebrated forever. It's to be remembered forever. 
So let's remember it today. And let's remember the lamb that rode into Jerusalem with tears in his eyes for a world that didn't understand. Even with God's word in their, in their very mouths, praises on their lips, they still didn't understand. Dear Lord, we pause before you today on this holy week. We pray for grace. We pray, first of all, that we would take a look inward, not to see all the pharaohs out there, but to see the pharaoh within. That this is a story about us. But being willing to let go and to give up to change. And God, I pray that today, as we reflect on Jesus, his sacrifice for us, that you'll speak to our hearts of love, grace, forgiveness, mercy. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you, everybody.